Hey, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this podcast. My name is Harrison. I am the pastor of Kingdom Church. You are listening to part three of our series, Chosen. Enjoy. If you guys have been with us for the last few weeks, we are in a series entitled Chosen, Chosen. Uh, My name's Harrison. I'm the pastor here at Kingdom Church. And uh, we just want you to know that we are willing to do whatever it takes for you to experience who Jesus is. Uh, as I start uh, speaking, I generally speak with a passage of Scripture to take us in the direction that we're going to go. And uh, I usually have a shorter passage. But today, uh, as I was reading the Scripture we're going to go through, it was just too good. Someone say too good. Too good. It was just too good. So I didn't cut anything. So we're going to read uh, a few verses here. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, this is where our series has been so far. It says this, Never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed of me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength that God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. For God saved us and he called us to live a holy life. He did this not because we deserved it. Someone say, I don't deserve it. He did this not because we deserved it, but because it was his plan from the beginning of time to show us his grace through Christ Jesus. And now, someone say, and now. And now he has made all this plain to us by the appearing of Christ Jesus, our Savior. He broke the power of death. How many guys know death has no power? Come on now. Our Savior broke the power of death and illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. And God, shout that word out, chose me to be a preacher, an apostle, and a teacher of the good news. That is why I'm suffering here in prison. But I'm not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. And I am sure that he's able to guard that which I have entrusted to him until the day of his return. God, I pray that you speak to us this morning. Thank you for being here. Amen. I'm not sure you got, how many of you guys are aware of this, uh, but anyone get coffee this morning? Yeah. Awesome. Where's Chelsea? I don't even see Chelsea. She's somewhere. She's our barista. She's pouring the coffee, killing it. Uh, just so you guys know, we get our coffee right here in St. Albert. For this, Chelsea. Give Chelsea a round of applause. <laughs> we brew our, uh, we don't brew. Uh, <laughs> We buy our coffee right here uh, in, from St. Albert, from Good Earth. Anyone been to Good Earth in St. Albert? Uh, they supply us with our coffee, and so we're honored that uh, we can support a locally owned business here in St. Albert. Uh, that's where our coffee comes from. And so in order for us to get you guys the best coffee possible, uh, I had to be the one that tested it. Now, I'm not much of a coffee drinker. Whatever Christy makes me, like, is good. Like, there's, like, sophisticated people. They know, like, certain things. That ain't me. And so I had to go there, and Cindy, who's the manager there, she's a lovely lady. Uh, she was like, okay, Harrison, like, you need to decide which blend you want for your church. You want the light blend, the medium, or the dark? And I'm like, well, let's see what happens. <laughs> and so she pours me the cups. And so I have the light roast first, and I take a quick sip, and it's, it's not very hot. So I'm like, okay, she's giving me the scraps to taste. That's fine, because... <laughs> Everyone else needs to have the good stuff, which is fine. I didn't pay for it. It was just a test. And so I tested the light blend, and it was light. Uh, Then I got the medium blend, tasted the medium blend. And again, like, I I really couldn't tell much of a difference, but I have to pretend like I know what I'm talking about. Like, I'm 
Yeah, like I, I can taste the bean. <laughs> Is that an Arabian blend? I, yeah. Uh, and so same thing. It was lukewarm. I just chugged it. Done. I go to grab the dark roast. And I'm expecting, because the other two cups of coffee were lukewarm, that the dark roast would be the same. And so I grabbed it, chugged it, and it was hot. I was like, oh my gosh. And you guys burnt your tongue before? I'm sure all of us have done that. And, and she's like, how did it taste? I'm like, I don't know. My taste buds are gone. Like, I just burnt my tongue off. <laughs> and we've all burnt our tongue, and it's the worst. Like, it's, it sucks. Uh, but what I want to suggest is that burning our tongue is actually not a bad thing. It's not the worst thing. You see, I have a cousin, and uh, he had some dental work done uh, one time. He had to get some teeth removed. And so for anyone who's had teeth removed, you have to get a needle that freezes your mouth. And so he got a needle to freeze his mouth, the local uh, anesthetic, anesthesia, however you pronounce that word. Uh, He had to get that. His mouth is frozen. I can pronounce frozen. Uh, He had to get his mouth frozen. And so uh, because he had teeth removed, mouth frozen, he was on an all-liquid diet. Uh, The problem was the day uh, of his surgery, like the day of when he had it, his mouth remained frozen for a few hours afterwards. And uh, because he was on an all-soup, all-tea diet, and he couldn't feel anything in his mouth because it was frozen, he was literally chugging soup, and he was chugging tea, and he didn't realize how hot it was. And uh, so when the freezing, when the numbing wore off, he had severe burns on his tongue and in his throat. The worst. But you see, what I'm saying is that when we burn our tongue, it's not the worst thing because it lets us know that something is too hot. And when we don't have that pain, we're not aware that that could possibly hurt us. You see, uh, our tongues being burnt is a barometer that something's too hot. And when we don't have it, well, he probably still has some burns in his throat as a result. We're in week three of our series, Chosen. Uh, If you guys have been with us, for this journey. Can you just make some noise? Who's been here for, for one or two parts? That's awesome. Uh, good news, if you've missed anything, you can check them out, they're all online. Uh, but what we have done throughout this series, uh, we have been talking about this idea that God has chosen us. God has chosen each and every one of us for a purpose and God has a plan for your life. And what we've been doing throughout this series is debunking reasons as to why God couldn't use us. Because so many of us have this feeling and this belief because of who we are, because of what we've done, God could not use us. God would disqualify us. We've been going through this book called 2 Timothy, and 2 Timothy is found in the New Testament and is written by this man named Paul. And what we found out was that Paul was once someone that killed Christians. Yet God flipped his life around, and now he's writing to encourage Christians. And we just said, God, if God can use a murderer, my gosh, what can God do in our lives? And then I said, if you're a murderer, we can talk after. (laughs) So we've been debunking myths as to why God can't use us. And, And I believe this, friends. One of the biggest reasons that we believe that we could not be used by God is when our lives look contrary to what we believe that the life of someone who is chosen should look like. What that means is this, a lot of us, when our circumstances in life is filled with pain, when our life is filled with problems, we believe that there's no way that God could have chosen us. Because if God chose us, our life wouldn't be filled with all these problems. We wouldn't have this pain, we wouldn't have this heartache. 
You see, Paul, uh, in 2 Timothy, the book they were reading in, Paul is writing this letter to a young preacher named Timothy. And Paul is trying to debunk uh, the same myths that many of us face in our lives. And Paul is writing this letter from prison. And I told you guys, if you came here this week, I told you guys that I would show you a video of the very prison where Paul wrote this letter from. And so uh, I believe we have a video, and before we play it, I'll just, I'll just say this. As you look at this video, I want us to realize, and if you've been with us through this series, you will see that Paul has been relentlessly positive throughout this letter. He's been encouraging, he's been uplifting Timothy, who's not even in jail. But I want us to, to, to continue to set the backdrop. I want us to see the prison that Paul wrote this, uh, this epistle from. I'm walking down right now into what is called the Mamertine prison, where Paul the Apostle would have been held captive, awaiting really what tradition says is his beheading from Nero. This place is cold, it's damp, it's musty. It really is a hole in the ground. And this is where he would write to a young preacher named Timothy to encourage his faith. You can imagine this little cave-like cell where he's writing to encourage somebody else that blows my mind as he's there writing to encourage somebody else, telling Timothy, stir up the gift that's inside of you. And this is where he would say, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering. And his whole life, he says, I've fought the good fight, I've finished the race, I've kept the faith, and now there's a crown laid up for me, and not just for me, but for all who call on the name of the Lord and look for his appearing. And this is actually the area that they would have lowered him down. The only light that would have come would be from this hole in the ground. In this place, he's encouraging somebody else while he's having probably the worst season of his life. I can't believe I'm standing here right now. And it's crazy when you think about it, it's almost emotional. Paul is in this literal hole in the ground. He's in a hell hole. You can't see it as well in the video, but the only light, it would have been pitch black except that little light, that little beam of light that came through. And in this place, Paul has been encouraging this young preacher named Timothy. He's been encouraging someone else. You see, for a lot of us, we believe that when we have problems in our lives, when we have pain, when we have heartache, it means that God has not chosen us. When life gets hard, it means God has not chosen us. God is not with us. Well, how could God be with me if my life looked like this? If God was with me, I would have a job. If God was with me, my marriage wouldn't be falling apart. If God was with me, I wouldn't have got this sickness. And we believe that, that all of these problems are proof for the absence of God. And we ask ourselves, how could God chose me? How could God choose me? My life wouldn't look like this if he did. And so we look at our problems as proof for the absence of God. But today what I want to suggest is that the opposite is actually true. And so Paul is in this hole in the ground. Tradition says that he's waiting his death. We talked about Nero last week. And this is what he says to Timothy again in 2 Timothy. 
He says, never be ashamed to tell others about our Lord. And don't be ashamed about me either, even though I'm in prison for him. With the strength God gives you, be ready to suffer with me for the sake of the good news. Because we have to take a step back and we have to get some perspective. You see, Paul is this champion for Jesus. He's out there preaching about Jesus. He's saying the best thing you will ever do in your life is to give your life to Jesus. There's nothing better. Yet he's in this hole in the ground. And so a part of me believes that this young preacher, Timothy, was discouraged because this guy that he looks up to, this champion in the faith, Paul, shouldn't his life look better than this? Why, why is he in a hole? But Paul says, don't be ashamed of God. Because a part of us, when things get, go bad, we're like, man, like, I don't want to say I'm a Christian because what kind of a life am I living? I don't want to say I follow God because look at this. And Paul says, never be ashamed to tell others about Jesus. Never be ashamed. And he says, furthermore, don't be ashamed of me. Because I'm sure people heard about Paul. Yeah, Paul, the guy that, that talks about Jesus all the time. Look where he is. Look at how much his Jesus has done for him. But it's funny because Paul doesn't, he doesn't even tell Timothy, like, Tim, you know what? This is just on me. It's not gonna happen to anyone else. It's a one-time thing. Give your life to Jesus, it's gonna be good. He says, no, he says, Timothy, in fact, be prepared to suffer with me. He says, Timothy, the same thing may happen to you. There's one thing that I, I, I tell Christians all the time that, that, that give their life to Jesus, that make a recommitment to Jesus. I say, your life's about to be filled with more problems than when you, before you gave your life to Jesus. You're like, where do I sign up? <laughs> when we give our lives to Jesus, the next things that often follow are problems. Why? And we begin to believe that these problems in our life are proof for the absence of God. But friends, what I want to suggest this morning is that problems are actually proof for the presence of God. I want to suggest that the more problems you have in your life, perhaps the closer God is to you. You see, Paul was a champion for the faith. Paul was preaching Jesus everywhere he went, and he's in jail. Problems are often proof for the presence of God. I was speaking uh, to a girl recently and uh, she had kind of just been starting this journey uh, with Jesus, coming to church and whatnot. And uh, I just asked her because I, I ask most people like when they make commitments to Christ, I'm like, how's your life going? Like, how are things? And she's like, it's been rough. And I'm like, She's like, it's, 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 been, it's been bad. And, and she went on to tell me all of these things that had been happening to her. And I was like, man, that sucks. And one thing particular that stuck out to me, she's like, we just bought a brand new trailer, like a brand new trailer. And we took it out for like one of the first times. And as we were driving home, a deer came and it hit our trailer. And I was like, like it didn't hit the car, it hit the trailer? She like, hit the trailer. I was like, how did that even happen? And the trailer, like, it was a whole bunch of insurance issues and just things. And, like, it really sucked. And uh, that was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. Like, she was trying to move towards God, yet her life was getting harder. There was more problems. And a lot of times, look at those problems as proof for the absence of God. But I saw it as proof for the presence of God. Why? There's a verse in the Bible. It's found in John chapter 10, verse 10. I don't have it on the screen, but it says this. It says, the enemy comes to seek, to destroy, and to kill. I'm not one to speak a whole lot about the enemy and, and the devil and Satan because I don't want to give him too much credit because God has done a whole lot more than he'll ever do. But what I do know is that the Bible tells us there's an enemy that literally 
wants to seek and destroy and kill us. What that means is before you follow Jesus, he would rather have you dead. And so he will do anything in his power to stop you from following Jesus. And so that's why I say when we are following after God and we're trying to move forward him, towards him, you can expect problems. But that doesn't mean God's not there. That means God is there. That means he's closer. These problems are often proof for the presence of God. Yet, if I were to be honest and ask you guys, what is the one thing that shakes your faith unlike any other? It's when bad things happen. It's when we have problems. It's when we have pain because we say, if there's a God, God wouldn't let me go through this. He just wouldn't. I was reading an article this week and it was entitled, 13 Atheists Explain Why They Don't Believe in God. I read that and I was like, they should have just called the article 13 Reasons Why. They missed an opportunity there. For all you guys that watch that show, stop. I've seen season one. Is 13 atheists explain why they don't believe in God. And uh, it was interesting, and there was a theme uh, kind of in, in what they were saying. And so I want to read you a quote. And it was a cool article because these are real people. Like, it wasn't a journalist. It was just someone interviewing someone else. And they said this. They said, I must have prayed for something like 25 or 30 years, and not a single one of my prayers was ever answered. They said this, the bottom line for me is this, if God isn't prepared to answer my prayers in a very concrete way, i.e., hey God, I don't have a job, I don't have money to pay rent, then he slash she is less than useless to me. I see absolutely no reason whatsoever to have a God in my life that is unwilling or incapable of answering my emergency prayers. Now, some of us are like, have a little more faith, girl. But I think a lot of us, if we were honest with ourselves, we could relate. Like, what good is it to have a God if I pray to the God and God doesn't answer my prayers how I best see fit? And it's like, I'm not even praying selfish prayers like I want a brand new whip. It's like, God, I need, I need food this month. God, I have cancer. It's not selfish. Like, God, I... Where are you? And our faith is shook. Friends, one of the reasons that people leave faith if they're ever in faith is because they feel like, where's God? Where is God in my problems? Where is God in my pain? Where is God in my heartache? But Paul is encouraging Timothy. He's saying that problems are actually proof for the presence of God. Now, I'm not saying that every single problem in your life is because of the devil trying to get you. Like there's just, our life is filled with problems. And the beauty of the Bible is that the Bible never shies away from it. And I never tell anyone, come to Jesus, it's going to be all good. Like, it's like you win the lottery. Jesus, Paul, no one shies away from it. One of my favorite verses in the Bible, Jesus says, in this life, he says, you will have problems. In this life, you're going to have trouble. But he says, be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. He says, I am greater, I am bigger than the problems that you face. You see, for Paul, Paul's, his faith, his promise was not rooted in his possessions. It wasn't rooted in, in what his life looked like. For so many of us, our happiness, our contentment is rooted in our circumstance. What does that look like? It means when we got a good job, life is good. When we can pay the bills, life is good. When we're in a relationship, life is good. When we're healthy, life is good. When our kids aren't acting a fool, life is good. 
But you see, all of those things are volatile. All of those things have the chance and pretty well, they will change. And so what happens is when you don't have that job anymore, you're no longer as happy as you once were. When you don't have that relationship, you're no longer as happy as you once were. When your health is faltering, you no longer have that peace and that joy. But what Paul is saying, he's saying, my happiness, my contentment isn't rooted in my circumstance. Because if it was, my life would be hell when I'm in this hell hole. But he says, my life is rooted in something greater. My life is rooted in Jesus. And so look what he says. He says, I, he says my life is with Jesus. I'm not ashamed because Jesus broke the power of death. And he illuminated the way to life and immortality through the good news. He's saying they can lock me up, they can chain me up, they can kill me, but they can't stop God. He said, who can stop the Lord God Almighty? Because Jesus is bigger than this. Jesus is bigger than my circumstance. He's bigger than my pain. And I'm gonna use this pain as proof that he's in my life. And so he says, get this, he says, God chose me. God chose me to be a preacher and apostle of the good news. And that is why I'm suffering in prison. He's like, this pain, the, re the reason I have, the reason I'm here is because of God. That's why I don't like to give, give the devil that much credit. Because sometimes there's pain and there's prisons in our lives and God needs us to be there. God needs us to go through it. And Paul's like, I am here because I am chosen. And so what I'm saying to us, I have been hammering home this idea that we are chosen by God. And so what that means in your life is you're chosen, but sometimes that's gonna lead you to a prison. And you're gonna wonder why I'm here. You're gonna say, where's God? Where's God in the midst of it? But you see what Paul was able to do in his prison, he was able to praise. He was able to praise in his prison. And what God is saying to us here this morning, we are chosen and so what that means is you better be prepared for some troubles. You better be prepared, but that doesn't disprove God. That proves that he is closer than ever. But what we need to do is we need to learn how to praise in our prisons. But that's easier said than done. It's a lot easier said than done. You can say it up here. I can say it with a mic in my hand and life is good. But how do we praise when we have that disease? How do we praise when that relationship falls apart? You see, it all comes down to our patterns. Paul says this in 2 Timothy chapter one. He says, I'm suffering here in prison, but I'm not ashamed of it. For I know the one in whom I trust. He's like, I'm not ashamed. I'm not worried because my hope's in Jesus. I know who I trust. And he says, I am sure that he is able to guard that what I have entrusted in him until the day of his return. Paul is saying, my hope, I'm giving him my hope. And I know that he can, he can trust it. He can be trusted to have this hope. Friends, what are you guys putting your hope in? Is it something you can trust? Is it a person? Is it a place? Is it a thing? He says, I know who I put my trust in. And so this is the advice he gives to Timothy because he knows that Timothy is seeing this from the outside. Paul is in prison. What does that mean for me as a believer? He says, Timothy, hold on to the pattern of wholesome teaching you learned from me, a pattern shaped by the faith and the love that you have in Christ Jesus. You see, what Paul is saying to Timothy, he's saying the only way that we're able to learn how to praise in our prisons is if we develop the proper patterns. We have to develop the proper patterns. What is a pattern? A pattern is a repeated behavior, something that we do over and over and over and over and over again. That's what a pattern is. If you look at Paul's life, I, I love reading about Paul. He's one of my favorite characters in the Bible. But if you look at his life, he had this pattern. The more that he was following Jesus, the more he was trying to share Jesus, the harder his life got. 
And so if you read the book of Acts, if you read any of his letters, Paul is in prison. Paul is, he's stoned. He's beaten up. His, his boat gets shipwrecked. He's bit by a snake. You're like, he's bit by a snake? He was bit by a snake. Why? Because he's following after Jesus. And so these problems follow him like a magnet. I say to people, if your life doesn't have problems, maybe you're not following Jesus. Because when we follow Jesus, problems arise. But what happens And the beauty of Paul's story, no matter what happened, he always praised. That was his pattern. That was his pattern. He says, what is this? In fact, one of of my favorite things that Paul says, Paul says, you know what? He's like, if I die, he's like, that's better. He's like, I hope I die. He's like, I'll live if I have to. He's like, but if I die, the next thing I'm gonna see is Jesus. He's like, that's all right. Everything that Paul did, he was able to praise And friends, if we can develop patterns in our lives when pain, when trouble, when problems occur, we will be able to praise in our prisons. I I asked Christy a question this week because we live together, so we talk every once in a while. (laughs) And uh, I was like, Christy, I was like, do I have any patterns? I haven't seen the girl light up like that since Christmas. (laughs) She pulled out like like a notebook. She's like, well... (laughs) <laughs> and she was like, well, number one, like when you wake up in the morning, you make that really annoying noise. My throat is itchy in the morning, so I got to clear it. So I make a noise. But she's like, the most annoying thing that you do. She's like, every single time I'm cooking and you come in the kitchen, she's like, you tell me what to do. And I was like, I don't tell you what to do. I just offer advice. <laughs> like, I just say, like, are you sure it's enough quinoa? Like, you should probably cook that chicken a little bit longer. But you see, I watch the Food Network. I don't cook, I watch. And so I'm not cooking, but I'm watching. And so I'm just offering her advice. Like, you know, that's pretty sweet. You might want some acid to balance that out. Because that's what Guy Fieri says. (laughs) But it's it's a pattern, right? And a pattern is something that you do repeatedly. And so I'm I'm trying to get better at it. But whenever I come into the kitchen, my pattern is that I, I tell her something. I give her some advice. And so all of us have patterns for pain. All of us have a pattern when problems come into our lives. We deal with it the same way. For some of us, when anything hard comes into our lives, we look to something else to make us happy. Instead of hitting our pain straight on, we go back into another relationship. We mask it with sex. We mask it with pornography because we say this is going to mask my pain. For some of us, it's food. It's like whenever something bad happens in our lives, I don't want to deal with this. I'm just going to eat. For a lot of us, our main pattern for problems is just avoidance. When something bad happens, we just, we just curl up into a ball and just try to pretend like it didn't happen. And so we never deal with it, and we try to just hope it goes away until one day we explode, one day we implode, one day we lose faith in God. Because we're saying, if God was real, he would never let me go through this. He would never let me experience this. And so what God is asking us today is saying, what is your pattern? What's your pattern for your problems? Because the only way we're going to be able to push through our problems is if we have a proper pattern in place. We have to have something in place. You see, Paul's pattern was always praise. No matter what happened in his life, he was relentlessly positive. Like the most negative thing I can, I can hear Paul say in 2 Timothy, he's like, Timothy, if we're able to see each other, can you bring my jacket because it's cold? You're like, the Bible says that? 
He's like, I'm cold. And that's not even that negative. That's just like, yo, give him a jacket. Like it's cold. No matter what happened in his life, he was relentlessly positive. Last week, we spoke about having those two voices in our heads. The voice that tells us you're not good enough. The voice that says you'll never be good enough. Then there's the voice of God that says move forward, push forward. Friends, I was just reflecting on my life and, and more so than ever, I've been battling that voice in my head. That voice saying you're not good enough. This church isn't going anywhere. And the reason that I'm battling that voice is because I'm moving somewhere. In the last four weeks, we've had 70 people make decisions for Jesus. Come on. We've had 70 people make the best decision, the best choice you can ever make in this world. And so you better believe that there's going to be something trying to get in my head, trying to slow us down. And so I got to develop a pattern to fight against it because otherwise I'm just going to give in to that voice. The way that we move against our problems is with praise. We say, we ask ourselves, why is this happening? What can I take from this? What can I do? And you see every single place that Paul was in, Paul wrote 13 books in the New Testament. Five of them were written while he was in prison at different circumstances, different places. It wasn't all the same prison. But every single letter is relentlessly positive, relentlessly encouraging. He's able to encourage people in his depths, in the, in the worst spots in his life, the worst seasons. Why? Friends, I believe that Paul didn't view his punishment as anything other than a platform. Paul didn't look at his prison as a punishment. He used it as his platform. You see, Nero, that guy that hated Christians, he thought if he locked Christians up and put them to death, that would stop Christianity. He's like, that'll stop those Jesus followers. But every single time Paul was in prison, he didn't look at it as an opportunity to complain. It wasn't an opportunity to give up. It was an opportunity for him to praise the name of Jesus. He says, you can lock me up, you can chain me up, but you can't chain the word of God. It's like, you're not going to stop me. And so in our lives, all these problems that we have, and get this, if your life doesn't have problems, you're three years old. Because all of us have problems in our lives. And so what we need to look at our problems as is no longer a punishment, but a platform. Who can I encourage in my deepest and darkest seasons? Who can I encourage in this sickness? Who can I encourage through my divorce? You see, God gives us these places to be platforms. I wonder who here this morning came here with a problem that God wants to turn into a platform. God wants to use that thing that you thought was the worst thing in your life, but he wants to use it to change someone else's life. That's what Paul was able to do. This was the worst time in his life, but what we've seen throughout this whole series is he is able to encourage Timothy, encourage the next generation. I was just, we were thinking about it this week and I said, man, if Paul could only see, like what, like can you imagine in that moment if you could see 2,000 years in the future? Just every single, in that moment, he's like, I'm encouraging Timothy and a few Christians. <laughs> Thousands, millions of people are reading the words of the Apostle Paul because he was able to praise in his prison. I wonder what you came in here today and you thought it was gonna destroy you that God wants to use in your life to change someone else's lives. Maybe it's your story. You're like, man, I've been just acting a fool for the last little while. Like, I've just been stupid, but God wants to use that. He wants to use that story. He used Paul's story. It's like, I was a murderer before. I was a fool, but now, someone say, but now. But now. Every God story has a but now. 
I was living this way, but now. Man, my story has a but now. I was, I was once lost, but now I'm found. I was once his, but now I'm a preacher. Cruiser was once doing pre-med, but now she's in communications. Every single story has a but now. And God wants to take that punishment and turn it into a platform. And in your life, there is something that God wants to do specifically for you. You're gonna encourage someone, you're gonna change someone's life through your story, through your biggest mistakes, through your biggest regrets, through your biggest failures. God is gonna use that and he's gonna flip the script. That's what Jesus does, he flips the script. You see, death used to be the end, but Jesus flipped the script. And death was just, it's just, it's just the beginning now. There's something greater on the other side because Jesus always flips the script. And there's someone here this morning, you're thinking to yourself, well, I've just, that's not me though. I've, I've messed up one too many times. Um, I'm just, I'm not good enough. And you're thinking, there's no way God could flip my script. There's no way God could use my story. But I wanna encourage us with a verse to close. And this is Paul, same book to Timothy in chapter two. He's encouraging Timothy because a part of me when I read this, I believe that Timothy's maybe thinking to himself, you know what, God couldn't use my story. I don't think he could use my story. But Paul says this, this is a trustworthy, this is a trustworthy saying. He says, if we die with him, we'll live with him. That's why Paul wasn't afraid of death. He's like, if I die, I'm just going to see Jesus. If we endure hardships, we will reign with him. If we deny him, he will deny us. But here's the part I want us to see. It says, if we are unfaithful, in other words, if we're not good enough, if we've messed up too many times, if in our prisons, in our troubles, all we've done is complained, if we are unfaithful. Now I'm thinking to myself, it's gonna say, God is unfaithful. God denies us. God says, no, I can't use that person. But what Paul says to Timothy, it says, if we are unfaithful, he remains faithful for he can't deny who he is. He can't deny who he is. You see, a part of it is like, Jesus is thinking, you think like, I, I, no, nah, like they've messed up one too many times. Like I couldn't forgive them. But the Bible says Jesus can't deny who he is because he is inherently good. He's love. As much as he wants to give up on us, that's kind of how I look at it. It's like he wants to give up on you because you've messed up so many times because you're a mess. He wants to give up, but he can't deny who he is. He can't. Every single time I mess up, I'm like, man, God can't use me anymore. Like I'm done. I can't preach. But every time I ask for forgiveness, he's faithful and he's just to forgive because he can't deny who he is. And he's like, Harrison, I chose you still. I still chose you. Whatever pain that you're in, he still chose you. He can't deny who he is. He can't. I wonder if you guys could just stand to your feet. We're gonna close. And I want us just to think about the faithful love of Jesus is how much he's done for us and that he's chose us, not because of who we are, but despite who we are. Every head is bowed, every eye is closed in this whole place. I wanna give people the opportunity to respond to the love of Jesus to give their lives to a God that cannot deny himself, that loves you more than anyone else on this planet. If that's you, if you're saying, I wanna give my life to Jesus, I wanna give my heart to him, I wanna make the best decision I will ever make, I'm gonna count to three and I'm just gonna encourage you to raise your hand. Our hope is not to embarrass you, not to call you out, it's just simply to give you an opportunity to respond to the love of God, to respond to Jesus. 
I'm gonna count to three. Every eye is closed in this place. One, two, three. Just show me your hand. you guys could just all pray with me. We're going to pray out loud together for the people making that decision for the first time. It's really simple. Just say, dear Jesus, Jesus, thank you. I give you everything that I am. I give you my wins and I give you my sins. I pray, Lord, today that you make me a new creation. Jesus' name, amen. Can we just clap our hands for every single person? Come on, somebody. Hey, thank you so much for listening. If you have any questions or would like more information, head over to kingdomchurch.ca. You will find everything that you need there. We hope that this message inspired you. Take care.